you're a teenager, if you're a single individual, and you feel like you're a burning one for the nations, why don't you get out of your seat and get in this place? Come on. Come on. God's after you. we're talking. Come on. Mm. Glory. Good morning, One Association. What are we on? Session number nine, maybe? After, After eight phenomenal messages, after, I don't know, at least about 64 hours of his glory. What I've been hearing this morning was Haggai 2.6. Where's Pastor Zeke? Did he make it out of here already? Yeah. Listen. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth, a warrior is his name. Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry ground. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. Man, that's good news if we're getting shaken, amen? And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And watch this. And in this place, I will give shalom, declares the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to say, and there will be glory for my name. Saints, I don't believe this morning in being raptured from the responsibility of bringing glory to God. On this earth or coasting into the kingdom until I get to a heaven of self-indulgence. Do you? No, I believe in a gospel that is about our father that just so happens to be a king who is eliminating corruption of darkness of the entire cosmos. And along the way, he's rescuing you, his sons and daughters. For what purpose? We've been hearing it all weekend to give him glory. Oh, what a warfare. What a battle, right? How much glory do we want for ourselves? But the gospel is that he is eliminating the entire cosmos of its corruption, which just so happens to be in you as well. And that he is putting all things under his feet, which just so happens to be under your feet as well if you're a son and daughter of the living God. That's good news for you, but it is better news for the entire creation. Hmm. You say we're looking forward to when heaven envelops the entire earth. Are we not? We're, heaven is coming down and his burning ones will shine. With his glory and all their brilliance. Listen, this morning I want to talk to you about a message called A Few Talents and a Pair of Clothes. I think you know where I'm going. Yeah. The things that we trade out the glory for God of, is it really that valuable? But I want to talk to you this morning about the problem and then the solution. Can we do that? I want to talk to you about spiritual impotency. 
that is actually deadlier than leprosy. Are you with me this morning? When I say impotency, I mean the failure to rise to the occasion and reproduce. Well, we don't have that problem in here, do we? When I say leprosy, I'm talking about something that is destructive to the body. A disorder maybe in the body of Christ that is stealing glory from God that I believe that you are the cure to that curse. Hmm. Look at the next generation here, saints. Why do you do what you do? Is it for you or is it for them? Listen, before we start this message, I'm going to have Pastor Kaysen come up and pray for us because you guys make me nervous. Let's pray. He's a bow your head kind of guy. (laughs) Or lift your hands. Either way. (laughs) Mighty God. Your word says, says, there were loud voices in heaven in the kingdom of the world, saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Mighty God, there is no way, there is no way, Lord, that this that this kingdom of this earth can become your kingdom, God. If our hearts and our minds are not set like flint this morning, God, to receive your word, to make sure that your kingdom is coming from the heavens and is right here on the earth. Father God, we ask that you equip, that you equip our minds, you equip our hearts, you equip our hands and our feet for the work of building your kingdom on this earth, Lord. God. We want to be holy as you are holy, Lord. We want to be in your presence, God. So let your sons and daughters this morning, Lord, let your sons and daughters this morning, God, be equipped for the task of bringing your glory from the heavens right here on the earth. This is all in your name and for your glory, Jesus. Amen. It has been said, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Of course, unless what occupies that head of yours is worthless. It has been said, sharper than a double-edged sword with the ability to divide soul and spirit is the word of God. Of course, can that be true? If you never actually apply it in your life. It says glory is the throne. That you see yourself sitting on. Unless of course. It becomes the place that you sit. Soak. And as some have said sour in your salvation. Bear with me in my foolishness. I've been plucked out of the crazy can. Saints, you see the sal- your salvation, your glorious salvation is a phenomenal truth in your life. But it isn't a phenomenal initiation into the kingdom of God. But you know what else it is? It is a terrible destination. You know why? Because you were called to do something great with your life. 
You were called to give God glory in your life. I am both concerned that King Jesus is receiving from his body less than what he deserves. And I am also convinced that you get to be part of the solution. I can hear the anthem of the Moravian call going out in this place. Men who sold their souls into slavery that they might win a few. May the lamb that was slain have the reward of his suffering through me. I can hear the trumpets in Revelation 11.5 being tuned. And you can hear it said, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and forever. I'm so happy that Revelation 1 sets the tone of this expectation for us. When it says to him who loves us, he has done something. He has freed us and he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to God our Father. And watch this because we missed this part to bring him glory. For power and for, and forever and ever, amen, he says. Look, I am coming on the clouds and every eye will see him and every, everyone who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and it is to come. I am the Almighty. He has no rival saints. He has freed us. He has made us to be priests. To do one thing, give him glory. Saints, I'm convinced that the one, that one generation's compromise becomes the next generation's captivity. And this is what we may be living in. No, it is what we're living in. We have been handed a generation that loves quantity over quality. Saints, the crown on my head is mass produced. One size fits all, but it is made of poor quality. Evangelism is at an an all-time high for some time now, but its fruit remains shallow because it's been redefined. The online church attendance is at an all-time high, but its relationships remain virtual. And saints, you know what happens when you seek after virtual intimacy. But when I look around this morning, I have great hope because there is a rare remnant rising in this place of authentic discipleship and it is potent. Revelation 5, 9, we should probably start with this morning. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you, you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Mm. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering mirages and mirages of thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, to receive wealth to re- and wisdom. Might, honor, and glory. Watch this. And blessing. Keith Green said, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. That's all I ever hear. Instead of us blessing him. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all of them saying to him who sits on the throne. Come on, we heard that this weekend. To him who sits on the throne, to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory, power and might forever and ever. Amen. Watch this. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped him. Saints, I no longer or the longer I walk with Jesus the more and more my prayer becomes, King Jesus, are you receiving the best of what I have to offer? Are we as the body of Christ producing what he actually purchased? Oh, it's true. You were not saved by your own works, but you were most definitely saved to be put to work. And somebody has stolen that precious truth from you. And not to build a kingdom of your own achievements, but to build a kingdom of quality people. You know what the Bible calls these? Crowns. Yeah, what's your crown? Proverbs 12, 4 says, a wife of noble character is a husband's crown. And the children, uh, Proverbs 12, uh, 17, 6 says, children's children are a crown of the age. Isaiah even goes as far as to say... In uh, verse 28 and 5, in that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for a remnant of his people. And I love what First Thessalonians says. Paul says to the church in verse in chapter two, verse 19, for what is our hope? What is our joy? What is the crown that you're working for? You know what he says? For what is our hope, our joy, our crown? In which we glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and you are our joy. Each man in this place will live and will die. True? And on that day, when you see King Jesus face to face, you will either hand him... A glorious polished crown with beautiful jewels. Or are you going to hand to him what once was your paper crown? A pile of ashes. Revelation 3.11 says this. And Pastor Zeke nailed it. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. So that no one takes your crown. What? I have a crown? Yes, you have a crown. But is that crown that occupies your head, the soles of your life? Or is your royal apparel made up of things that will perish in purifying fire? Do I got your attention this morning, saints? In a generation that seeks quantity over quality. Is the crown that you are preparing fit, Pastor Massey, for the King of Kings or the Burger King? King of Kings. Come on. 
Second Timothy 4, 6 says, For I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also all of those who have longed for your appearing, saints. Saints, if you can't, Say, heavy is the head that wears the crown, or I am being poured out like a drink offering, or my life is being exhausted for the hungry, then you should take inventory of whose name is on your crown. Revelation twenty two twelve says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hmm. You know what that's not saying? He's not talking to the lost saints. He's talking to you. He's not talking to lost men. He's talking to the redeemed and telling you, you will be judged by how you invest what has been given to you. Let me ask you something. If you go to heaven today. And Jesus wasn't there. Would you be satisfied? No. But you, how many are? Jesus himself is the reward. And he's coming down. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 22 and 28. Of those who receive this we're talking about. Who are those that receive this? Those who have stood with me in my trials. I confer a kingdom. Just as my father has conferred a kingdom on me so that you will eat and drink at my table. And you will sit on thrones. Saints, every time that we're given insight into a heavenly perspective or a heavenly model. Of men who bear crowns, of the example of what it looks like. We get an example of men who lay down their crowns. Not adorn their head with it. Revelation 4, 8 says day and night, they never stop saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshiped him. Watch this. And they lay down their crowns before him. Saints, this is what revival looks like. Revival doesn't look like you running around and getting a bunch of Christians to get in a park and get real happy. Oh, look, revivals happen across the nation. Don't be fooled. Foolishness. Nobody gets released from their Christianity like that. Revelation says revival looks like men saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And other men falling on their face and saying, take my life. When we're given a heavenly perspective, this is what the men in this place are trying to do for you. We'll deem foolishness to get the impact in your life, whatever it takes. Men. Who are receiving crowns from Jesus, polishing in them, lifting them up on their shoulders, only that they would lay them down at the feet of Jesus. That's you, saints. That's me. 
I've been taken out of a place, polished, and still working on that, and being lifted up, and then laid down at the feet of Jesus to give him glory. You are in a place with men that have a Matthew 20, 26 mentality. Do you understand this scripture? It says, whoever wants to be great in the kingdom must be your servant. I'm sorry, that's an initiation. You can't even get into the kingdom without being a servant first. Now watch it, he says, because many of you want to be great in the kingdom. But whoever wants to be first or great in the kingdom must become a slave of all. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, watch this, and to give his life a ransom for many, because that's what we're at. That's what he's after in your life, to teach you how to ransom your life, to leverage it so that someone else might have what you've already been freely given. This is what the men in this place that have gone before you have done. They show you how to lay down your life so that you would become a ransom for many. For the next generation. But saints, obviously... I live unsettled. I am unsettled that this is not the harvest that King Jesus is getting. I am concerned that we are receiving what's standing right in front of you. Anointed men quoting anointed words, but men that are flaunting their paper crowns. Men that are wearing coats of beasts that their fathers have slain. Holding on to a sword that they do not know how to wield. And sitting on a throne built for leisure instead of the glory of God. Take this foolishness. I'm going to stay. That coat must have came from up north. <laughs> Listen to me, saints, this morning. Obviously, I know I'm, I'm inoculated from the praises of men. I don't care what's happening here. I only want an impact in your life. That's because I've been discipled. I learned that from there. Revelation 3.11 says, I am coming soon. Revelation 22.7, I am coming soon. And if you forgot Revelation 22, I'm just going to wrap it up with saying, hey, I am coming soon. We do not have time to sit on throne, saints. We do not have time to cover ourselves in the warmth of the beast of our fathers that our fathers have slain. It is getting cold outside. Pastor mentioned it when he said, John 9.4, as long as there is day, we must work. Because there's come, coming a time when no man can work. Night is coming. Saying, I don't know about you, but I'm looking outside and it's dark. Hmm. If our swords sit, they rust. And if we sit and soak, we find comfort in a throne that is reserved for the one who's already finished his work. Have you finished your work, saints? I think we've lost touch with the fundamental truth of the gospel. And for a long time, grown men have been playing children's games with God. Have you not got that impression this weekend? Mm, yeah. Do you know that John Huss 
when he was about to be burned at the stake, they placed upon him something not too much different than a paper crown. And it said, it said a word that meant heretic or cult. You know why? Because he preached a gospel that was against the gospel of self-indulgence. And you know what his reward was that? Fire. Yeah, the shirts that you deemed this morning, you might think a little different about why this man is burning. Yeah, I was there at once too. I thought it was just the passion that was burning him, the consuming fire. No, what if it is? What's coming for you? Would that be glorious? If you're prepared for it. Hmm. Yeah. This is what John Huss said. They placed a paper, right, on him. And while he's being burned or about to be burned for the gospel of self-indulgence. And he said, if my king can can bear a crown of thorns, then why can I not bear a crown of foolishness for the sake of his glory? And I'm telling you right now, right, we are clothed in foolishness, but the glory of God is being shown through us and burning these things away. Because you know what? This is what we're getting. We're not getting John Huss. We're getting men running around in the garments, but they don't live the life. You know what John Huss received? He received the martyr's crown. They deemed him with a paper crown, and he received the martyr's crown. Why? Because he wasn't playing games. It was actually his life. And how many of us are running around playing the game, but not living the life? Many of you women in here might relate with Jonah Ark. This is what she said. Every man gives his life for what he believes. Every woman gives her life for what she believes. But sometimes people give little or nothing. And so they give their lives to little or nothing. One life is all we have. And we will live it as we believe in living it. And then it's gone. But to surrender who you are and to live without belief is more terrible than dying. Even more terrible than Dying young. I want you to hear me this morning, saints. We are living in exciting times. We are living in glorious times. Many of you, I've heard this this all over. I feel a shaking. I feel a shifting. Yeah, (laughs) of course. And what are you doing? We're not those who cower in fear. We're those who are rising up to shine. There's a remnant of his body. That's what we were singing, right? There's a remnant of his body that's desperate for his glory. Ha, come on. Y'all just thought Devin could do that. <laughs> Saints, I am convinced that God is raising a remnant of new man with new life in this place for this actual issue. Listen to me. The children of prosperity pimps have gone have grown up and taken the stance now as popularity princes. That's the shift. The previous generation laid a foundation of self-indulgence in the name of prosperity. And their children have quickly received an inheritance and invested it in paper crowns instead of one valuable crown at a time for the sake of popularity. They rest on their thrones They rest on a throne of salvation, if you would, 
to sit, soak, and sour in. And even they've even come up with a theme song. There is no striving in the Lord. Saints, that's nursery rhymes for perpetual adolescence. People who actually not try to accomplish anything but sit, soak, and sour in their salvation to the end. We're not those people, are we? No. No. We live in the time when kings flaunt the coats of their father's accomplishment instead of picking up a sword and reaping their own. Their influence is phenomenal. Their resource is endless. The voice among the loudest. But the major problem is, although they are kings of quantity, they have failed to produce quality. Other men and women that actually navigate from glory to glory through the darkness. And as it gets darker, then it becomes more prevalent. Are you with me this morning? Is it just me or is there a plague of shallowness out there? It's just me. No, there's a plague of shallowness out there. Almost like a spiritual impotence. As destructive as leprosy. Remember, when I say impotency, I mean the failure to rise to the occasion which causes you to be unable to reproduce. When I say leprosy, I think of something that is destructive to the body, causing it to literally fall apart. Like men of God when they waste their lives investing in paper crowns. Flaunting the accomplishment of their fathers instead of fighting for their own. Sheaving their swords instead of submitting it to being taught how to use it. And occupying a throne of glory for themselves instead of reserving the glory of this throne for King Jesus. Did we, did we talk about any kings that might actually look like that this weekend? Yeah, why don't you turn with me to 1 Kings 16, 29. Anybody getting something this morning? Yeah. yeah. Say there when you're there. First Kings 1629, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel for 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than all those that have come before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel's daughter. Of Ithbal, king of the Sidonians. And he began to serve Baal and worshipped him. He set up an altar to Baal in the temple of Baal that he, that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings before him. In Ahab's time, Hael of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. And watch this. I want to remind you of this. As pastors already pointed it out, he laid the foundation at the cost of the firstborn son of Abiram. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub. In accordance with the word, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Listen, I don't have to teach you much this morning. You've been well taught, but I want to get your attention. Do you see the influence of the leadership in their generation? Do you see who's actually setting the tone for where atmosphere they have to live in? Yeah. 
We know that Ahab was a passive king who trivialized sin and capitalized on carnal culture. We know that Ahab was a leader who then did what? He married himself to an attractive, seductive, and destructive Jezebel for the sake of prosperity. Together, Ahab and Jezebel managed to produce a whole lot of activity in zero sons. When I say sons, you know what I'm talking about, right? Sons are your investment in the kingdom that actually outlive you. That actually outlive you. And Jezebel, what was she surrounded by? Eunuchs. You know what eunuchs are, right? Those who could serve in a kingdom but never reproduce. Have you ever seen such a thing? You have. Oh, good. I have as well. Have you ever saw such a thing? Leadership that propagates servolution but can never reproduce a revolution of holiness. Men who are talented enough to build yes men but never build covenant familial relationships. You know, although Ahab and Jezebel managed to propagate natural sons, in the end, their sons that they did reproduce were removed from the earth by the hand of God. King Ahab is shot in a random, by a random arrow. Did you hear Pastor say that? King Ahab is shot by a random arrow because he thought, Pastor Peter, if you're still here, I'm not sure, that it was wise to remove his royal apparel and hide in common men's clothes. And Jezebel, what happened to her? Well, yeah, she's betrayed by her eunuchs. That's not a life we want to mimic, right, saints? Not a leadership that you want to be part of. I think that most of us realize that Ahab and Jezebel's effects are still found in the house of God today. Am I right? Yeah. You see, some of you here, y'all remember the old song, um, These Are the Days of Elijah? Anybody? Come on, help me out. These are the days of Elijah. Uh, behold, behold, he comes riding on the clouds like the sun. Ha <laughs> ha. Lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's gate, salvation comes. Come on. Do you hear that? You see, some of you remember that and some of you don't. You know why? Because we're in a transition. We're transitioning from one generation to the other. We don't have time to wait. It is now. We're living in a... Jesus said, if you can accept it, Elijah has already come for us. Then we're living in a post-Elijah generation. I want you to think a minute about everything that you've been taught this weekend. I believe that we have a, a shifting from one generation to another going on. Like we've heard this, this weekend, we've heard of Elijah's generation and we've heard of Elisha's generation. Right? We've heard of Ahab's and Jezebel's times and we've heard of Naaman and Gehazi's generation. You see, Elijah lived in a time of Ahab. Elisha lived in a time of Nahum and Gehazi. Elijah lived in a time when leadership allowed families to lay the foundations of the kingdom at the expense of their sons. And <laughs> you know what God does? Mm, come on. 
He raises up Elisha. He raises up Elijah. So God raises up Elijah. And what does Malachi say Elijah comes to do? He comes to turn the hearts to the sons, to the fathers, and the fathers to the sons. And you know what Malachi 4, 6 says? That this is actually a way of life that holds back the curse. I want to share something with you for a minute. In the last three years, I've met many men and women Who believed Christianity was just a life enduring the curse. Get that for a minute. For almost three years now, something's been hitting my heart. Every time I meet somebody, every time I meet somebody, they think that Christianity is a life enduring a curse. Listen to what they believe. They believe that the Holy Ghost was given to empower you to hang on to heaven. That the kingdom of God was, is ruled by an angry dictator in the sky with a large hammer anxious to use it on you. Friends, you know what the problem is? That's more Marvel Comics than it is biblical. That's what happens when you spend more time on Facebook in, than in his book. More screen time than prayer closet time. You think that's the gospel. But watch this. I come along and I'm like, I don't understand this. I've only known one way. I've only known one way. And I read to him, Malachi 4, 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day. And I and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the father, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. And you know what their response was? Wait, God is a father first and his occupation second? Yes, yes. And they said, Pastor, do you think that if you were willing to be a father to me and we would be sons and daughters to you, do you think we could actually demonstrate a way of life that would hold back the curse of fatherlessness in this generation? Yes. Yes. Yes, they're hearing it. They're hearing it. And I said, what do you think Elijah did? When God spoke to him and said, go, he went and found Elisha and he fathered him. He began a work that he expected Elisha to complete. Is that your goal in here this morning? Men, are your efforts aimed at building your platform, building your ministry, reserving your resources or nurturing your notoriety? Are you building your brand in the background? It's true. I like some of you, but I love you all. (laughs) But I want to tell you that you are wasting your time if that's what you're doing. You are wasting your time, men and women. Are you exhausting yourself for the hungry, dying for your brother's vision? Are you putting yourself in the best position for those who come after you to succeed? Because that's the gospel, saints. That's the way. If that's not you, you're in the wrong room. You're wasting your time. Why? Because that is exactly what Elijah did when he went and he ran and he found Elisha. You see, Elijah understood that what was given to him 
did not belong to him. It didn't belong to him. It belonged to them. And so he taught Elisha that he would have to be a man that would have to finish what Elijah started. A man who would have to deal with the residual effects of Ahab and Jezebel that he actually stirred up. A man who would have to minister to a generation who were infected with a leprosy or an impotency as destructive as leprosy. Their discernment would have to be accurate. Their relationships would have to be familial. And their resolve would have to be unyielding. Saints, I know I'm making you uncomfortable when I talk about impotency in public. It's about as inappropriate as some of the messages being talked, spoke of from the sermon as gospel today. I get that. But we have got to learn to call out the private areas of the body of Christ. Do you love the body of Christ? Do you want her to thrive or survive? Are you going to be a bystander while the body of Christ is raped by the Rephaim? No. No. We love her enough to correct her. We love her enough to call her out and say, you are better than this. But saints, are you here today to hear another preacher talk about the problem or to become the solution? Yeah, that's my heart, saints. It's my heart. You see, Elijah's generation is like your generation. So self-centered that they can't actually, and they're unable to reproduce kingdom. Praise God, that's what you're for, amen? We have been told and we know that Jewish history says that the random arrow that killed Ahab in battle was launched by a man named Naaman. We know that Jewish history also does not leave room for the coincidence or coincidence and gives Naaman the credit for purposely and precisely hitting his target. But listen to me this morning. I find that Ahab and Naaman have a lot more in common than a random arrow. I see a link between two different generations. Can I show you that? Why don't you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Come on. Yeah. Amen means I agree. I can hear those. Many of you don't understand the warfare that happens up here. Don't you think that we're prepared and then we stay up here? This is the front line. It's where all the insecurities and thoughts come through as you're trying to deliver something. 2 Kings 5.1 And Naaman... He was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was, he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. That's going to mess up some of your theology. Wasn't serving the Lord, but the Lord worked through him for his glory. Hmm, come on. He was a, a valiant soldier, but we know that his problem was that he had leprosy, right? Do we remember that? A Gentile commanding warrior. That's most of you in here. Why? Because you've been made ambassadors of Christ, right? Yeah, then we're very much like him, gifted, talented. He was even a creative. Come on, Rising Church. I remember that term. He's a creative. He's successful. He's accomplished. And he is even favored by God. But he had the problem 
leprosy. You know what? This, to me, gives him commonality with the house of Ahab and Jezebel. You see, Ahab and Jezebel together produced spiritual impotency. That was, this is destructive to the house of God as leprosy. Naaman, he had natural leprosy and history says it produced in his house impotency. That was just as destructive of his house. The previous generation was to the house of God. So you see, at the end of the day, their commonality is that neither of them could reproduce the will of God. Watch this. That actually outlive them. We want the glory of God. Why? For your life? No. It's not about me. Same problem, different generation, same issues, different faces. Saints, whether it's prosperity, popularity, or any other gospel, if it does not reproduce prodigy, it is not the gospel that Jesus preached. Let me ask you something this morning. What cost or how much money would you pay to cure your body of leprosy? What extent would you go to in order to heal your body from the inability to reproduce? To eliminate, some of you know what miscarriage is, to eliminate that from a possibility in your life. Or the cure for infertility. What would you do? Yeah, then how much more do you think our Father in Heaven would go to in order to cure His body? What extent would He go to to see His family healed from the inability to reproduce? (laughs) You don't have to guess. He gave it all. He gave it all. Second Kings 5.2. Now bands from Aram had gone out and they had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And a letter, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I am sending you my servant Naaman to you so that you might cure him of his leprosy. Saints, do you know what that is? That's a six-figure salary, a retirement plan, and a wardrobe and ordination papers to represent the deal. You know what that is today? It's about the same cost that most called men have tried to cure their leprosy with. And we know that Naaman goes on to find Elisha, and Elisha facilitates the healing of Naaman, and Naaman tries to pay off Elisha, and Elisha does what most men can't do today. Refuse. Refuse to receive personal payment for the praise of God. Second Kings 5.15 Then Naaman and all his ascendants went back to the man of God and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. And the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing 
And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Come on. How many men, saints, of God sell their integrity for pennies on the dollar? Elisha was DCD. Elisha was a disciple creating disciples. He was a disciple that was the cure to the disease. He wasn't trying to be anything other than what he was raised. He wasn't raised that way. It wasn't in his DNA. He did not have time for worldly gain. He knew that he represented God. And night was coming when no man could work. Is that you, saints? Yes, you represent God. Hold the line. You see, the fathering that Elisha received from Elijah was more valuable than a man could purchase. And he was not about to exchange it for the glory of God. He was not about to exchange the glory of God for a payday. Yeah, like Moses in Hebrew eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused. He refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the grace of Egypt. Hmm. Hebrews 11.35 goes on to say, and there were others. What? There were others. There were others who refused. They were tortured and they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Revelation 3.11, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Saints, are you going to let somebody else bear your cross and receive your crown? You see, we think that we think that theft comes from the devil. But what if it's someone else that simply carries the weight that you were called to carry and then receives the crown that you were called to wear? Second Kings 5.19 says this. So go in peace, Elisha. I'm sorry, go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, the Aramean, by not accepting from him what he had brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him. Guess what? And I'm going to get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he said. Everything's all right, Gehazi said. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, Naaman said. He urged Gehazi to accept them. And then he tied up the two talents of silver in two bags and two sets of clothing that he gave to the two servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. Saints, I think the Elsin pastors made it very clear. Very, very clear. Gehazi sold out the glory of God. 
for something lesser. He exchanged the glory of God for a lie. How many young men, how many young Levites have we seen sell out for two shekels and a shirt? Well, how many men today do we see settling out for a few talents and a pair of clothes? Oh, this is what we like. Let me sell out for this trend. And if I can get a little something out of it, not too much, not too much, because I just need a little to serve Jesus. And that's, that's false humility. How many men have settled for a few talents and a pair of gloves instead of the glory of God? And you say, well, pastor, maybe that's not me today. But let me ask you something. How many of you here today still feel like this life that you were given, it's called a gift, isn't it? This life that you were given was actually given to you to get something out of it. And actually, instead of give something for it. You see, that's the switch. That's the switch. It's the stronghold that we're having the war against. The switch is that it must happen, right? Because this has been a bait that, we, that we've eaten and, and a hook that we've swallowed. I want you to not be fooled this morning. You were not saved by works, we said, but you were saved to be put to work. To do what? Give God glory. I got a 100 finally. Saints, he has given you the sovereign right to give him glory, but the measure is up to you. How many of us still feel like the gospel is the good news that Jesus saved you to rescue you from this God forsaken world to place you on a throne in daddy's arms where he'll keep you safe from the big bad boogie devil until you get to the utopia in the sky called heaven? Friends, family, in this place, that is the false gospel. That is the impotent gospel that is sterilizing the body of Christ. The gospel has always been a rescue operation for sons at the cost of sacrifice. John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies and remains a single seed, But if it dies, it produces many seeds. We know this scripture well, don't we? You're a seed and you're called to do one thing. God bids you to come and die. Saints, John 12, 24 is is not God preaching to Jesus. It's Jesus preaching to you. King Jesus purchased For you the power to plunder the prisons of hell and to love sinners into sons. Do you hear what I'm saying? Love sinners into sons. Not date damsels in distress and plug them into your Sunday Christianity that God's trying to rescue you from. 2 Kings 5.26 Gehazi! Is this the time to take money to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, men servants, and maid servants? Gehazi. What is Elisha saying? Gehazi. You better check your crown, son. You better check your crown. Is the crown that you are representing made of something precious? 
or is it made of paper? Because you seem to lost the significance of its weight. Did King Jesus purchase men for God or paychecks for projects? Come on. Verse 27. So Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. And then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous. Watch this. And he was white as snow. Man, there's only two places that I know in the Bible that God reasons with man. And that's Romans 12.1. He says, this is your acceptable, reasonable act of worship. Come and be a living sacrifice. And the other place that I can remember is Isaiah 1.8. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Follow me here, saints. What I'm hearing here, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the Jim Elliot right here, right? The jungles of Ecuador being pierced through with spears. What did he say? He is no fool, gives away what he cannot keep to gain, that which he cannot lose. Come, let us reason together. Examine your life. Saints, what happens when we run with a gospel that, we, that cannot reproduce the kingdom of God? When we live our lives on a meology with a manageable dose of the Holy Ghost. With the spirit of moderation instead of the spirit of holiness. Oh, God called me to be happy. Liar. He called you to be holy. You see what's happening here? What's happening? When you have a meology, when you, are, when you are the center of the kingdom, the center of the gospel, that's not gospel. You run around saying, I'm white as snow. I'm white as snow, baby. Woo! I am white as, thank you, Jesus, you saved me. I'm white as snow. I'm white as snow. I'm white as snow. And then you die. And you look back and you pass no torch. You left no legacy. You got no disciples. You left no impact. Because apparently, you had a spiritual impotency that was stronger than leprosy. And now you're realizing it. How's it, you say, Pastor, how is it deadlier than leprosy? Because when you have leprosy, it's the, your body that suffers loss. But when you have spiritual impotency, it's the body of Christ that suffers loss. Come on, somebody hearing me this morning? Is that what fuels you, saints? The glory of God shining through you for the body of Christ? Elisha didn't want fame. He was a man that was raised washing the hands of Elijah. He did not want riches. He cared nothing for pleasures. He didn't even know what a comfort was. He didn't want balanced Christianity. If I got to hear that word one more time. Mm. He didn't want balance. He didn't want fame. Elisha says, Gehazi, you get that leprosy out of here. Why? Because that will never produce kingdom. 
He did not want anything other, come on, than the kingdom of God. Saints, I am in a place in life where God has stripped me and all I want is the kingdom of God. I just hope I don't want it more than you. You see, Elisha was not satisfied until the residual effects of Jezebel were completely destroyed. Just like we are not satisfied until the residual effects of our past generation are completely destroyed. Come on. Christianity in our time may have been boiled down to a life enduring the curse, but God is raising a remnant that is saying, I was born for such a time with this. Either it's going to happen as my finest hour or I will die trying. Elisha was not satisfied until his father's ministry was completed through him. Just like we are not satisfied until we complete the task of passing the torch to those who are coming after us. You know that the success of Elijah was found in the succession of his disciples. You know where my investment is? It's in sons. I got no bank account. I got no retirement plan. We don't live like that. We got it all, 100 in our sons. Fathers, is that your goal in here this morning? Are you still living to establish your own platform? Are you dying for those who are coming behind you so that they will succeed? General Ravenhill once said that this is a dressing room for eternity. Pastor Zeke Lamb said it many years ago. It's not about you. You see, you become dangerous to the enemy when the kingdom is not about you. It's not about you. And saints, until you understand that your ministry is not for you, then you're not fit for ministry. You need to get discipled and get dangerous. What did Proverbs 13, 8 say? The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man, what? He hears no threat. It's time that you reject the lie that you actually have something to lose. Yeah. You see men, like, like I'm going to say last names, like Pastor, Pastor Slaughter and Pastor Massive, that's strong. That's what they did to us the other night. Massively slaughtered our hearts. Come on! Men like Pastor Slaughter and Pastor Massive. That's mine. Take it. (laughs) Are not giving their lives to build a platform for retirement or padding their 401ks. They are building a front line of the kingdom of God in Crystal Lake for your children and your grandchildren. Men like Pastor Wade and Pastor Matt 
are giving their lifeblood to see the next generation takes the torch in their time. The elders are the unsung heroes that hold up their arms, making it even possible for them to compete and finish the race. Pastors, men like Pastor Eric Treister are tilling the soil of Victoria, Texas, so that sons will take the torch and simply disappear from the story like Elijah. I would get in trouble for even mentioning our foreign pastors or Pastor Johnson in this light. You know why? Because Elijah doesn't want credit. He just wants to make an impact in your life. Come on, young men and women in here this morning. Do you want to start a ministry? But you wouldn't be here if you were. You want to start a ministry? You want to go to China? You want to plant a church? But you have not died for the vision of your local church. You have not submitted yourself to correction. You have not sacrificed anything that actually causes you legitimate pain to give it away. Or committed yourself to the lives around you so that they would grow no matter your personal cost. That's cute. That's about as cute as a paper crown. Why? Because Revelation says that you were called to carry a weighty crown. A glorious crown. We want the Shekinah. Okay, do you know that's the Kavad, the heavy presence of God? Come on. I want you to take inventory this morning and I want you to see the things that you miss. When we play children's games as grown men or we're not 100, do we actually pay attention to what's going on? I want you to look above your head for a minute. You have 12 fiery crowns that are adorning you this morning. The sovereignty of God upon your life is that you were created and born for his glory. You know how we got here. We can't even choose these things. But there are 12 fiery crowns deeming this place this morning to remind you of something. You were born for this time. This is yours. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel like it or not, you were born with a crown. And you're about to give that back to Jesus. He's coming soon. Is he going to receive it from you, polished and full of jewels? Or is he going to receive it back the way he gave it to you? You see, Saints General Booth, General William Booth said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. That's not arrogant. It's confidence. Because he knows who he is, because he knows whose he is. All the generals are dying off. And it's time that you pick up where they left off. Little Ravenhill is an inspiration to us, but he's dead. David Wilkerson is an inspiration to us, but he's dead. C.T. Studd fires us up, but he's dead and you're alive. Our brother Daniel Smith has left an impact in our life. He's no longer with us, but his wife and his sons are burning like torches in this place. He has heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Is there a remnant of Elishaz in this house today? 
Men and women that will rise up and they'll run farther than these men. Come on, will you run farther than these men? Will you run for these men? Will you run like these men? Will you take their torch that they lit and blaze it in our generation? Saints, this is where this weekend has been just, I'm like a piece of ground meat up here. Lord's just put me through a blender and everything else. Like a wrecking ball. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, man. This is where it started to affect me. The Holy Ghost on you for a minute. You see, Ahab, I can't say that I haven't been in Ahab. I have been in Ahab. I have been in Ahab. I can't say that I haven't been Ahab far too many times selling out for corner compromise and being seduced by what the world has to offer. I've been Elijah. I've been sin. I've seen the, the fire of God fall and move in my life and then retreat to caves of loneliness and doubt. I am a Naaman that was washed way too many times in order to cure me of the inability to reproduce. I am an Elisha in desperate need of a daily father to show me how to do this thing. I've even been Gehazi, sold out for a few talent instead of clothes. And if I'm honest today, most of the days I spend myself asking, can I really reproduce what King Jesus deserves? Apparently so. Apparently so. Apparently so. As I engage this weekend and let the Spirit of God and let the Word of God just wrench my heart and begin to engage me as one who has called out to carry the heavy presence of God and say the things that need to be said, but only wanting to be the solution. It began to rend my heart instead of my garments. And I begin to wrestle over this. And then I remembered, I remembered the gospel. I remembered Hosea 13, 14. In the King James it says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, watch this. I will be your plague. And that spirit lives in me. I am the solution. And you are the solution. It's not according to your your feelings or what you think it's according to the will of God he will have his glory in your life <laughs> and as I begin to let this the weight of his presence today and this weekend rim my heart I remembered my brothers I remembered them quoting Psalm 78 and verse 63 do you know this well come on some of you even sing it in the times when fire consumed young men and in times when maidens had no wedding songs and in times where their priests were being put to the sword and in times where their widows could not even weep. I started to hear this. And the Lord awoke as if from asleep like a warrior overcome with wine. Come on, help me. G drove back his adversaries and he smote them on their parts behind. Come on. <laughs> come on, come on, keep helping me. 
has risen, his enemies have fled. And those who hate him will run before their dread. And the fires are burning, are purifying the hearts. And the shouts of the righteous are just about to start. <laughs> Come on. And I remembered you. I remembered all of you. My great host of witnesses. That you were just like me. Zechariah 9.12 says about us. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. That's you. What is he saying? I remember in these times when I'm called to fight on the front line and I want to quit. I remember times of when Pastor Eric runs up to me seeing me stand like a prisoner. And he says, why are you standing in the posture of a prisoner when you've been made to be a prince with God? And I remember Pastor Brent who says, although my life, my wife dies on the mission field and it costs me my children, my hope is in the resurrection. And I'm looking at Randy Smith and saying, although I gave my husband to Jesus Christ this year, me and my sons are going to burn. And I remember prophecies in this house saying, you have been made Joseph, you're not Job. And I remember my pastor crying out while in trial of tribulations. And he's saying, I remember crying out, you can beat me like a greasy little spot to the ground, but this spot is gonna scream, I'm blessed. And I'm impacted by an Adrian Cardone Dewart. <laughs> Although the world's leprosy tries to cling to him, he will not receive it, although it means it loses his body. Come on, somebody's remembering Hebrews 10, 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. A body you prepared for me and a body that he prepared for you that you might give him full glory. Look around, saints. It's useless to talk us out of it. It's useless. You're barking up the wrong tree. There's no help for us. In the words of Raven Hill, we are branded. <laughs> we are branded. We are marked for Christ. We are marked for his glory. Jewish history says that Gehazi's problem was that he lost hope in the resurrection. But we have a death-defying hope this morning, saints. Job 14, 4 says, Who can bring what is pure from impure? No one. Saints, we got a better revelation than Job. We got a better revelation than Job. We have a revelation of a death-defying power of Jesus Christ. Romans 14, 17 says, We are those who serve a God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Is that you, saints? Job goes on to say in verse 14 and verse 7, at least, at least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, if it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail, its roots may grow old in the ground and its stumps die to the spoil, to the soil. But at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Come on, can you feel the scent of rain in it this morning? 
as I begin to just let this sit this weekend, the Holy Ghost brought me to Luke 5, 12. And it says, while Jesus was in one town, one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. You know what? You know what Jewish commentary says about those who are leprosy? They call them men who are like snow covered dung. Yeah, where most of you have been left in your Christianity of false teachings. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing to remove my pomp and my pageantry of insecurity that has failed me, if you are willing, Lord. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. What did he say? <laughs> I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. And immediately, immediately the leprosy fell from him. Saints, yes, Elijah was dangerous. Because he was disciple, but the only thing glorious about Elisha was that what God was able to accomplish in his life from his obedience. Pastor Justin said it very well. Your failures are not final. And let me tell you something. Leprosy is not fatal as well. Your leprosy, if that's you in here today, it gives you the opportunity to confront the fear of the finality of the things of your life and reverse the curse. Because that's what Jesus came to do. Reverse the curse. Jesus is able and he came to reverse the curse. In Luke 17, 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border, watch this, between Samaria and Galilee. Where did he travel? He traveled to the place where the lepers are hanging out. Those who were living in the prisons of their own body. Saints, whether it's the prison of your systems of men or whether it's the prison of perpetual adolescence or whether it's the prison of your fickle faith, he is willing. Remnant Church was given the name from Micah 4, 6, and it says that in that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame. Know what that is? Those who are weary from the journey. And I will assemble the exiles and those brought to grief. And I'm going to make them a remnant. I'm going to make them a remnant. And he goes on to say, and I'm going to make them a strong nation. Say strong nation. nation. And he goes on to say, as for you, watchtower of the flock. That's Migdal Eater. We're not going to teach that today, but that means the place where lambs were being raised to be slaughtered in the temple of God. You, oh watchtower, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you the remnant and the former dominion will be yours and kingship will come to you. And Kings in first, in Luke verse 12, he says, and as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a social distance and they called out in a loud voice. Yeah, go study that. It's actually six feet. I am not kidding. Jesus, have pity on us. You know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't flinch at their disease. He did not dialogue about their fear. He did not run with disgust. And he was not full of sympathy, but he was full of compassion. 
When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And watch this. One of them that qualifies as a remnant. When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Come on, let me tell you something right now. Holy Ghost brought me to 2 Samuel 9, 8 at this point. As he is breaking my heart. And as we were in here in a holy moment happened the other night and I'm standing in the back and I'm, I'm asking myself what's going on and I look up and I see 12 fiery crowns theming us and, and I remember 2 Samuel 28 where Mephibosheth bowed down and said what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me that you should notice a dead dog like me and sit me at a table of the king of glory. And as I'm meditating this scripture and I'm watching the glory of God happen in front of us, I can see the king's table and I can see his invitation and he has sat me at it and he's sitting at the end and he's wearing the martyr's crown and he's saying, you can have it too. You can have it too. Come, let me cure every element of your leprosy. You know, Jesus never asked the lepers their name. I consider maybe he didn't even care if they were descendants of a Gehazi or someone like him. Because Jesus is not concerned with your reputation. He's concerned with his glory. He only wants his father's glory. You know why the leper got healed? Yeah, now all your minds are saying, well, what did he do? No, it's for God's glory. The leper got healed so that God gets glory. You know why the one comes back? Because he's the only one that realizes that healing came when he had nothing to lose. Nothing. Some may look at fatherless or a fatherless generation with men seeking to outshine God and cringe, but I don't see it that way any longer. I don't see an obstacle. I see an opportunity. We see a shaking and we see a shifting. Am I right? Ahab, Elijah, Elisha, Naaman, Gehazi, and all these had their chances. Some finished well and others did not. But what does that even matter to you? Life is a gift that is polished and returned back to the giver. Will you return it back to his feet better than he received it? Well, saints, this is my life and this is your life. Stand with me this morning. Worship team, won't you come up? Will somebody say that with me this morning? This is my life. This is my generation. This is my life, my generation, my chance, my opportunity, my finest hour. Because it is my chance to glorify my God. Saints, we don't want houses or cars. We don't want riches or fame. We don't want balance or beauty. Am I right? 
We want the glory of God. We don't want quality of life. We want a quality of men and women to burn for the glory of his name. We are a remnant of humble people, a powerful people, a discipled people, a dangerous people. This is a Haggai 1-2 moment. Here's what Adonai, the Lord Sabaoth, your king says. These people are saying now's not the time. The time hasn't arrived for Adonai's house to be rebuilt. Then this word of Adonai came through Haggai the prophet. So is now the time for you to be living in your own paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? Therefore hear what Adonai Sabaoth says. Think of your life. In this hand, ashes. In this hand, a glorious crown. It's your choice. We're going to finish out victorious this morning because that's who you are. But there's nothing more victorious than repentance and then rising as a remnant of an army of God that said, I have put in my work in holiness. I'm going to do it. I'm going to continue to do that because that's my way of life. I'm not after happiness. I'm after holiness or die trying. Is that you? Well, as we finish this conference, don't let anything be undone with the king. Come and get that victorious crown. This morning, this is that generation. Make sure that you pray over them. I can't help, as we are in the most holiest of times this week, looking around and anointing men for a funeral and laying upon them a martyr's crown. Do you want that? Yeah, be careful when you say that. If you want that this morning, then come to this altar as well. And the elders and pastors are going to line up. And together, we're going to finish together. And we're going to do so in a victorious way. We're going to get right with God. We're going to stop playing games with Him. And we're going to ask Him, Lord... Anoint me with the martyr's crown. Come on. Come on. Come on. Listen, if that's not you this morning, don't, be, don't come for a learned action. Come because it's your actual heart. And ask Jesus, give me the martyr's crown. He's coming soon. He is coming soon. And his reward is with him. And his hand is held out to you. Begin to pray in the Spirit.